Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. Welcome back to another episode of Two Slips and a Gully. Um, I'm joined by Aaron tonight. How are you, Aaron? I'm good, thank you, Aaron. How are you? I am excellent. I get to come and chat cricket with you. It's always a great evening we get to do that. Uh, so um, not a lot of international cricket really to speak of that we're overly invested in. I mean, uh, the West Indies have gone on a, a pretty impressive run-scoring uh, tirade against the South Africans, only to be just undone at the end. The Johnson Charles 100 was something to behold. Yeah, he's um, he's um, rocks or diamonds, isn't he? I mean, it comes off somewhere near the middle of his bat and goes a long way. There was a lot of runs scored in that game. It was a very impressive innings. We're going to have a chat about uh, some stuff that has been wrapped up. So we'll talk about the Australian domestic scene now that the Sheffield Shield final has come to a conclusion. A big congratulations to Western Australia. Uh, as you might have expected, if you've been a fan of the podcast for quite a while, I'm a big fan of uh, anything to do with growing the game in the United States, and uh, we're going to have a chat about the recent Major League Cricket draft that has just taken place. Uh, I did put up a mini pod on our YouTube channel if you want to check that out, but now we're going to have a bit of a chat in uh, where I'll chat with Aaron about it. And then uh, the inaugural WPL has come to a close, which is an absolute landmark moment for women's cricket globally. And we're going to have a chat about how that's all gone down as well. So despite the fact that there isn't a lot of, a lot of international cricket being played, there's still plenty to talk about. And that is why we love this game so much. So all of that cricket goodness will be coming up straight after this. So the Australian domestic season has come to a close and uh, Western Australia is where it is at at the moment. They are the title holders of the Sheffield Shield, the Marsh Cup, and of course with via the Perth Scorchers, the Big Bash. So yeah, it's so, uh, um, good to be a Westie at the moment. It is. They're, um, 
they just seem to be on a bit of a production line at the moment with these guys that they're churning out who are, I mean, was it, the impressive thing for me, I watched a fair bit of the Sheffield Shield final. Um, the impressive thing for me is when you looked at their list is who wasn't there. Yeah, there were quite a few players that were on uh, Australian one-day duties yeah. that missed out. So. And um, guys like um, Joel Paris, Ashton Turner, you know, who've been around the fringes a little bit, stars. Ashton Turner's 100 was absolutely outstanding. Ga- Game-changing. There was something in that wicket for everybody all the way through. Um, Scott Boland, absolutely wonderful. Will Sutherland, a match to remember for him as well. Let's be this, this is this is the year of Will Sutherland. I was going to get to him a little bit later impressive. on, but now that you've brought him up, this is this is his year. I mean, he's always he's been thereabouts. He's been part of the Renegades for a while, and just been that guy that came in the middle overs and got spanked. Yeah. And this year, he wasn't quite as effective with the ball, but he was very effective with the bat. He for Victoria in the um, in the Sheffield Shield. He ended up captaining some games as yeah. well, and I think they're the games that Victoria won. Yeah, um, he's got a hundred under his belt. He's got a fifty under his belt, and I think he's averaging about nineteen with the ball. Like this he is, was very impressive. This is, in the, the this is the year that Will Sutherland has announced himself. Going, yeah. yep, I've put it together. I'm forced to be reckoned with at the domestic yeah. level for Australian cricket. And mm-hmm. you know, he has got a bright future ahead of him. Um, mm-hmm. The only issue is he's just. He's he's he's, he's open. He's open. The you know Cam Green has got that spot locked in. Yeah. Um, so if I was Will Sutherland, I'm looking at making my my. If I'm going to be going for national honours, it's with the ball. He needs yeah. to keep going with the ball and really dominate and go. I can make it as a bowler. Yeah. And a guy that's going to bat at eight for you, and yeah, yeah, I could I could rattle off first class hundreds. I might get you a test hundred at eight, but like yeah. my primary skill set because. He'll be behind Cam Green for a decade. And I think he's he's also um, behind Aaron Hardy as well, who was super impressive again. Especially, especially he, he, he is really starting to become the finished article, this guy. Especially if you're looking as a, a, an all-rounder that's a, as a top six bat. But Will Sutherland could be a guy that bucks that trend and you could bat him at seven and move your wicketkeeper up and you're yeah. not really losing out, I feel. But, yeah, I think for, for him is just he's young. There's a lot to like about his skill set. He's a guy that you just concentrate on knocking people over with the ball, and um, put it, like here I am, I've taken twenty odd wickets at nineteen, get me into the test side, and then you know all of a sudden well, I'm actually pretty handy with a bat too, and mm-hmm. can win games in the lower order. Well, he's, I mean, he's clearly established himself with that skill. I mean, what we were really looking for because he's he's not the the batting all rounder that Cam Green is. Cam Green's a much superior batsman and a very very good bowler in his own right. Sutherland needs to differentiate himself as being the guy who comes in at number eight and can take this, you know, take the new ball, bowl first change, is going to get you wickets and might get you some runs when you need it down the order. He's not in the pecking order to take Cam Green's spot. 41 wickets at 19. Leading yeah. wicket taker in Sheffield Shield. Yeah. Um, under twenty, that's that, yeah. that absolutely fantastic from um, mm-hmm. from Will Sutherland. Like he is, he has announced himself yeah. um, as a force to be reckoned with. Michael Nisa, who's always been a favourite of the podcast, he was the second. We love, we take. love you, Michael. Uh, Forty wickets at sixteen. Um, that's just absurd, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Forty wickets at sixteen for a guy who supposedly can only bowl swing. I guarantee um, he wasn't getting swing everywhere. What a what a season for Lance Morris, who, mi- who missed a great deal of time yeah. following the Australians around six matches, thirty one wickets uh, at nineteen. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy again, another young guy coming through. That um, he's quick, man. 
Yeah. He, he like that wicket had something there for him, but he you could see he was making some guys very, very uncomfortable with that pace. Uh, Mitch Perry, who again has sort of been a breakout year for him as well. He's really sort of ingratiated himself to the, the Victorian side. Um, 29 wickets at 25, um, yep. looking like he's got a really bright future ahead of him. Uh, Joel Paris, um, again, we, he, he succumbed to a back injury at the end of this. It just seems to be the, the yep. way his career goes. He had uh, 27 wickets at 17, yep. always on the periphery of looking like he could go on to bigger and better things. Yep. He's a guy that's more than handy with a bat, just cannot stay healthy. Yeah, well, he, he in turn, his partnership was the, was the nail in the coffin, really, for Victoria. They were never really back in the game after that. Um, and as you said, Aaron Hardy, who's the, the big gun with the ball, 17 wickets at 31, which is, you know, not not bad considering he's there playing as an all-rounder. Mm. Uh, you know, he's got an awful, awfully appealing skill set coming there just as the, the heir apparent behind um isn't it ridiculous, Cam but we're talking about the heir apparent to Cam Green. He's like 22. Yeah. I mean, he, he got um, 300, 380 runs um, at 29 with 250. So not the, the most prolific batting stats, but he's you know he came off that 174 in the Sheffield Shield final, and you know that the, he's got lots of runs in him. He's like, yeah, I think our all-rounder stocks, considering what we probably didn't have a proper all-rounder since Keith Miller, yeah. and now we've... Probably got a handful that we could quite easily just go. Yep, you're you're ready. At some stage, at some stage, we will play two of them in the same team. I can see it coming because there's positions starting to open up in this team. You know, age is starting to knock on that on the door of this team a little bit. Yeah, speaking of Cam Bancroft, we've got two aging openers, and um, what a better time to to really put your hand up. Nearly a thousand runs this season at fifty nine, four hundreds and a fifty. Caleb Jewell, um, we had uh, Mark on here a while ago talking about watch out for Caleb Jewell in the future. Uh, 650 runs at 38, opening the batting with 200s and, and 350s. Um, you know, not quite I'm I'm here, pick me, but this is a guy that is young, has just been put in a position at the top of the order and, you know, five scores over 50 in, you know, I'll, I want to see another year like that from Caleb Jewell. Well, probably even a little, for even a little better. But like, this is yeah. a guy that's in the periphery in the back, and he's the right age as well. Like, yeah. you know, there's a few guys. He's not quite ready yet, but give him a few more years of seasoning. Yeah. Uh, Matt Short, who has absolutely murdered domestic cricket this year, he yeah. finishes his Sheffield Shield with uh, 625 runs, 623 runs at 42, 200s and 350s at a strike rate of 65. This guy is not. Seriously considered for national honours in either of in any of the formats in the next eight, 12, 18 months. Our selectors are absolutely taking the piss. This guy should be well. Clearly, in- clearly they think enough of him. He's going over to um, who's he replacing over in the IPL? He, he, oh, I didn't catch that. He's, yeah, he's been he an IPL. Yeah, he picked up a contract. Johnny Bairstow. Oh, he's replaced Bairstow. Well yeah. done. Well done. Yeah. There's a way to get himself. He gets a, a a good IPL in. That'll get him into the uh, fast track to the oh, Australian side. Look, you couldn't ask. You couldn't ask for a better showcase, could you? Uh, you know, well, IPL think... running into uh, an, an Indian World Cup, and yeah. then uh, yeah, but honestly, he should be part of just about every squad that we've got going forward. The guy. The guy's been killing it in white ball cricket for a couple of years now. He's now put together a really strong shield season. This is a guy that should be, you know, on that Australia A to New Zealand yeah. A tour. He should be, you know, looking at the extended Ashes squad. This is a guy mm-hmm. that is a, a 
to, to steal a baseball term, he's a five-tool player. He's a great fielder. He can bowl you some handy off-spin. In a white ball game, he can bowl that handy off-spin at the top of the order if he needs to. Um, he, he's an aggressive middle-order player in um, the longer forms, or he can bat right at the top in the 20 overs. Like yeah. there's, there's not a lot of weaknesses in his game. And this has been, yeah, another... Uh, another year, I keep saying it a lot, there's been a few guys that have broken out, and this is, again, another player that has really said, like, I've had a good year last year, and now I'm building on it. So, well, I mean, it's what you want. It's a competition for, for spots. Um, clearly, I think we, you know, how long? How much longer is Smudge going to go on for? He's a, when somebody's starting well, in, to talk in, about... In theory, you go on for quite a while, but I, I just I don't think that Smudge wants to go on for quite a while. I don't think he, will, I don't think he does. I think so, I, I wouldn't... I hope it doesn't happen, but honestly, if we win the World Cup, win the Ashes, uh, yeah, it's time. I, I could see him, you know, ducking out not long after that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, win the World Cup, win the World, maybe maybe the end of the next World Test Championship cycle sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just find it interesting that when you when you actually look at it, there's not a lot of young batsmen in that team. No, there's not. Warner and Kawaja are well into their thirties. Manus is thirty. Travis Head's 29. Um, Smudge is 33. Um, then take your pick of, I mean, obviously Cam Green, he's going to be there for the long haul. But even but, Carey didn't get a start till fairly late. He yeah. was he was 30, easily 30, 31 or something at yeah. the moment. So, yeah, like there's, there's guys like that, the, you know, and you, you know, your T. Wileys, your Campbell Callaways and things yeah. like that coming through. Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to be some room there mm-hmm. pretty soon. Hopefully. We've learned our lessons, but about allowing these guys to just all leave on mass. You know how many times it's happened at least twice in my lifetime, and well, probably three times when I think about it. Well, I think that we we made Ricky Ponting hang around longer than he wanted to. So I yeah. think the the Australian selectors are aware of not letting too much go, whether or not they're they're in the same position of forcing players to stay. But they've definitely had they've recognised that that can be an issue. Yeah. Uh, especially considering the the makeup of the rest of the team, so I, I think that um, yeah, if they're, if they're playing at the same school of thought, I think that they'll be they'll be careful to make sure that they phase in yeah. new players, and that's what's really troubling about. Um, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far because we do it all the time. But a guy like David Warner, whose form seems to have completely evaporated in the Red Bull game, yeah. while we're persisting so long, we could really get one of these guys in. Well, the, I've, I've reported so, Renshaw was the first cab off the rank, but I might be ba- um, Bancroft now. Well, I would say at the moment it's probably looking like Bancroft. I think Renshaw, unfortunately, yeah. has played himself out of a gig a little bit yeah. because of his you know, performances in India. I don't think he did himself any favours, but he wasn't done any favours either. Oh, look, well, oh, I can certainly appreciate that, but by the same token, you know, it wasn't... McDonald and the selectors that made him go out and play five sweep shots in eight balls. Like this is a guy that came over to India with a game plan that was underprepared and just seemed to be all at sea about. Like even in the first game, he didn't really look like he had much of a game plan to try and combat um, the likes of Jadeja and stuff. So he, yeah, okay, he probably wasn't done any favours by being rushed into that South African side, hardly getting any bat, and then all of a sudden the next time he plays is in, in India. India. By, by that same token, he didn't play well. No, he um, didn't. so it wasn't like he was. He did all right, and then got, you know, punted. Yeah. He he came over, didn't do a great job, and, you know, 
had to, he had to make way for Cam Green at some point. So, yeah, it is what it is. He's just um, got to roll with the punches. He knows what the score is. He's just got to go back, do what he does. We know he's a good player when in the right conditions. He's got a county gig, so and I believe Bancroft does as well. So it yeah. might come down to how their county form. I imagine they'd both be in the in the Ashes squad. So yeah. look, I think I have the appeal of having a number a right hander at the top of the order is also something that I think we really need to be looking at we when we go into England, we want to be rotating striker, making these guys having to change their lines instead of just being able to peg at us from around the wicket, trying to bring the ball. Yeah, the Stuart Broad in, line. The Stuart Broad line, taking the ball away towards the slips. We need to get them off the off the bit of that. Yeah. You know, and when you've got two openers, left handers Admittedly, not similar, but they're still left-handers, mate. They're still vulnerable to that same sort of thing, that same sort of line. Kawaja plays it a lot better than what Warner does, but he's still vulnerable to it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, before we move on to our next topic, I suppose the one big glaring thing uh, from a personal perspective is just the form evaporation of New South Wales. They were yeah. Like, I can't remember the number now, but it's been a, a, a great many years. I believe it was like 75 years or something like that since they've had a winless season. Yeah, they, um, and to be quite frank, they've been poor in pretty much every game. Yeah. They haven't really been in a position to win games. They've always been defending, trying to, to come back into a game. Um, the batting's been very disappointing. Oh, the batting has been The batting has been abysmal. You know, I'm not sure. I don't think we have got one New South Wales player in the top ten of the of the aggregates. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Dan Hughes sneaks in, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, he sneaks in at tenth. Yeah. 537 runs at 41, 102 fifties. Um, and then, then about 16th is Enriquez, yeah. uh, 500 runs, 250s, no 100s, averaging not, 31. Not good enough. No, nah, absolutely not, not good, good enough. enough. And where are um, our openers? What have our openers got this year? How many different openers we had? I think I think Jilks at one stage made some runs, but... Curtis Patterson got 100. He got 400 runs with 102.50s. But, yeah, just not enough. He only averaged 29, though, so... Yeah. Averaging 29 in the middle order in first-class cricket isn't going to get you too many winning games, man. I think he was near the top, actually. I don't think I think he opened it a little bit um, yeah. this year. I think he sort of saw it himself as, if I'm going to make the Australian side, he's recognised that the, the biggest gaps coming up will be openers, so he's yeah. putting himself in a position to say, hey, I'm an opener, and it no, sort of backfired a bit. No, I... Um... Yeah, I think Mr. Patterson's day has passed. Which is a shame. He's a guy that uh, absolutely rorted by the selectors. He absolutely should have played that 2019 Ashes series. Yeah. How he didn't get on the plane. How he didn't even get on the plane is appalling. Like maybe missing the, the 11, but not missing the squad after averaging 117. Yeah. Um, and he's the exact player that you want in England, a guy that's got a steadfast defence and, yeah. and plays compact. Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, I think you're right. There are some there are some young players that are starting to fill their boots, and I think that uh, the world will move on from mm-hmm. Curtis Patterson unless he has a real big summer, sort of like a Simon Cadditch well, style he, summer he, to get he's himself lost back. He's the captaincy of New South Wales as well. So um, has he? I didn't think he had. I think he's still no, their first class captain. No, I think you'll find he's actually been stood down as a first class captain. Oh wow! Yeah, so. Um, I think his days passed. He's not making enough runs consistently to be a, a walk-up starter if he's not captain, and he's not captain anymore. So, 
Um, we really need to see a little bit more out of our Ollie Davies and our Jason Sangers and those guys. Um, Jack Edwards got 100 um, in the last game or the second last game, but again, it wasn't enough. He's a guy that has been given a plethora of um, opportunities has. and hasn't ever really um, paid it back in sort of inconsistent run scoring form. Yeah. That's, you know, like he, he's capable of the big score, but then you might have four or five or six low scores around him. And you, you, you being a middle order batsman, you really, you, you're one of two things. You're either there to hold the innings together or you're a Travis Head. That's the basically the, the way that cricket's gone these days. You, you're either an old progressive in the middle order or you're the guy who's reliable to pull things together if things get a little bit gnarly. And you're not. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's just, um, I mean, there's some injury issues. I mean, they would have missed Tanvir Sanger and things like that. But yeah, New South Wales has got quite a hole to pull themselves out of. I think they really need to be looking at the at the structure of the of the pathways because the guys who are coming through just don't seem to be good enough to play first-class cricket. Yeah. You know, do, do we need to have a look at the Sydney? Because the majority of them come from Sydney grade. There's no one else being picked anywhere else in New South Wales, like somebody making 1,500 runs in the Bathurst comp or something not getting a gig for New South Wales. Yeah. You know, you've got to be playing Sydney grade cricket to to make the New South Wales team, and I, I don't know about the standard. I, you know, I don't follow that that closely anymore. Uh, I keep an eye on Manly and my old club, um, Peter from Randwick, but that's about it. So, um, and Peter from Randwick have been nowhere for a couple of years now, and as a general rule, they've always been a, traditionally a very strong team. So, uh, well, I think I think Stuart Clark summed it up really well in some of the talks. There is that there are players that are getting selected for New South Wales because of the name, the the number next to their date of birth. Yeah. Whereas they're not necessarily the you know the the form players going through Sydney Grade cricket, but because no. they're the right age, they want to build this team. Yeah. Um, but you've got to build the team on foundations. Yeah, and that's you the can't have the a team full of. I mean, it seems to be a very young team, except for Enriquez and Hughes. They all seem to be pretty young players. So. I don't know whether we're uh, we're going that the right way of trying to blood all these. Well, we're guys. clearly not because we're not winning. Well, that's, no. this is, that New South Wales has historically been the powerhouse of Australian cricket, despite ha- usually having quite a number of players playing for the national side. Yeah. Um, you know, it's yeah. never really seen lows like this. So obviously, something's not working. Yeah, it's it's clearly not the case now. I mean. I, you know, any team missing Hazelwood and Stark is going to be Smith and, and, and Smith Warren and Warren, Warren, Yeah, and, go. You can go on, but um, yeah, there's always been a found, foundation there. Yeah, the foundation doesn't in, seem to back be in there. The day, like they, you know, they would have, they wouldn't have had Taylor or Slater or War or War or you know, McGrath or Lee or yeah. you know, people like they've, they they've had times when they've been missing significant amount of players to the Australian side and still been a yeah. very, very competitive outfit. And now it looks like that that same depth yeah, isn't, isn't there, there anymore. anymore. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully for the Blues' sake, they can um, regroup and come back next year because another year like this is going to be very depressing for us Blues supporters. <laughs> All right. Uh, straight after this, we're going to get some, into something that's a bit near and dear to my heart, and that is, of course, the uh, Major League Cricket Draft. Here we go. Ryan Harris. First 
it's finally here. I've only been talking about it for for a number of years now. It's been going on and on, but the Major League Cricket is here. They've finally got their act together. It's on its way. And I've got to say, boy, do the Americans love marketing. Like, really love marketing. All this stuff, and they do it well. Major League Cricket, we're launching a brand new cricket tournament in the United States. Here we are, we're doing our, se- our, our season launch for this brand new cricket with a draft, and they host it at the Kennedy Space Center in Houston. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. love it, love it. Yeah. Um, just a word association. Well done, guys. You, um, Yeah, it's good. And I really enjoyed the draft, as I said on the, the mini pod. I don't know if you had a chance to catch it that I put up on YouTube, but... Um, the production value is pretty good. Uh, there were a few instances where there were a little bit of audio dramas before, where the microphones weren't kicking in exactly when they needed them to for when they were announcing stuff. But over that, it was good. There wasn't a lot of rabbiting on. The, the hostess came in. She you know, did her thing and moved on. The two guys that they had providing colour commentary on the draft picks for those that aren't particularly familiar with the players were, were really insightful. Um, they had access to various um, footage of these players playing. And uh, unlike um, most American sports drafts, like the NBA and the NFL, where they just drag it on, and you know, if a team has you know five minutes on the clock, they will use every one of those five minutes before, so they can just you know get as much advertising in and just enough waffling on. You know, these guys were like, we're running, like we've got to hurry up because we need to get our stuff out because these guys are drafting just like bang, 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 bang. So it was a. You weren't sitting there waiting, going, all right, already, we get it, what's next? So everyone raced through. It was really, really good. A little bit of American hoopla doesn't hurt. I mean, they do know how to put on a show. You've got to admit, the Yanks, they do know how to present. They know how to present something as banal as a player draft in in the most exciting light possible. How did the 12th man put it? A bit of Seppo bullshit? (laughs) (laughs) Something something along those lines, yeah. Um, So for those of you who aren't familiar, the Major League Cricket, it's um, the the American T20 um, premier competition, like the BBL, like the, the IPL and all that sort of stuff. They announced the um, the team names. So there's a lot of Indian IPL money which has gone into this, which is somewhat unfortunate because they, as we've seen with the UAE and the the, um, the Caribbean Premier League and this yeah. SAT20, they kind of like to brand their teams, which um, yeah. I'll make a point in a moment. But the teams we've got are the Seattle Orcas, the San Francisco Unicorns, MI New York, the Los Angeles Knight Riders, the Washington Freedom, and the Texas Super Kings. Uh, so obviously you can see there is a, quite a, an IPL connection there. Um, and I think, and if it wasn't for the UAE and South Africa and, uh, and the, the, the Caribbean Premier League, I probably wouldn't have as feel as strongly about it. But now there's this trend, and it's a little bit disturbing because we're just going to end up with a competition where we've got the same half a dozen sides or associates of the same half dozen sides playing. And, and I really feel that if um, for a market that is brand new to cricket, brand new to anything, you need to give that market a sense of ownership, a sense of entitlement. Um, and I, I think that teams are going to be like, – new fans are going to be, uh, gravitate to – their own identity more than the, 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 the identity that's been introduced yeah, to them. Than offshoot of the IPL. Like, yeah. like MI New York, and I said it in, in the mini pod, MI New York is a horrible name. An yeah. absolutely appalling, abysmal, terrible name. It is by far the worst 
mark, like the, the worst step the major league cricket has taken in this journey to getting from you know an idea to to, to this is the worst thing that they've done uh, by a long way. It is when you look at New York, or New York fans are pathological around what they support to the point that it, like, it will cause them health issues, the amount they obsess over their teams. You look at the Yankees. The Yankees are just beloved over there. The Mets. The, yeah. the, the Mets are terrible, and they've still got super passionate fans. The New York Knicks haven't been relevant since the 1970s, <laughs> and they've got... I was one of the, waiting for you to bring the Knicks up. They're one of the most well-supported teams in the world, not just in basketball, but in yeah. the world. The Madison Square Garden, considering the Knicks are considered you an afterthought, everyone talks about wanting to play basketball at Mad- Madison Square Garden because that's where the fans... You know, and you've got the, the Giants and the Jets and all those other... Like, you know, if you can get New Yorkers to buy into your team, you have got the job 90%. You don't even need to be good. You just need the team to care. You need the fans. You get the fans to care about you. Done. You just write. Just watch the money roll in. You don't even need to worry about putting a good product on the floor because if New Yorkers believe in you and buy into your product, yeah. they will just they will obsess about it. They will be passionate about it, and they will live and breathe. They it. will own it. And they will literally own it. Win, lose, draw. They will be there, and they will love it because that's what they do. And I just think by calling it Mumbai Indians, New York. You are just straight off the bat. You are pushing shit uphill with that because that's just there's so many like it's, it's you, the, it shows a total lack of imagination for starters and as sort of a a crass commercialism on the part of the Mumbai Indians. And the thing is, it doesn't matter whether they're called MI New York or they come up with like the name we suggested was the New York Empire or whatever they call it. They're going to get the same money. The money yeah. is coming to them anyway. Yeah. And I just think that in the long run, yeah, sure, the first couple of years for all of the, you know, the the Indian, the Southeast Asian fans in New York, they're going to go, oh, I follow the Mumbai Indians in um, in the IPL, so I'll jump behind this New York team. That's going to work in the short term, but it just, I feel that it could it could seriously hamper getting branching your market out into your baseball, hockey. NFL basketball fans trying to steal some of that niche market because they just they're not going to follow the Mumbai Indians New York they want their own t- and it Maybe. just I think yeah. it, it I think it, it just it should start with the New York somethings whatever yeah. you want to put in sticking MI in the front of it is just like trying to me it's like you're stamping your ownership on something when you really should be saying hey guys. This is what we've got. By to all offer. means, have the color scheme, the Mumbai Indians yeah, color scheme. Even sure. put like their, the Mumbai Indians logo, like on like on their caps, you have the New York logo and the Mumbai logo, and then like the back of the neck or sleeve or something. So really paying homage to the team that is bankrolling you. But you really need, especially New York, and this goes for for Los Angeles and it goes for the Texas team as well. You really need to give a brand new market a chance to develop their own identity and really get behind it. And I think that in the long term, it's going to hurt that. I mean, in the short term, you're going to get any of the Indian fan base currently living in the United States will jump behind it because that ties into their their IPL teams. But I just struggle to see how that's like Americans won't follow non-American sport almost out of spite. Yeah, like they'll. Like they just love their big four and anything like Major League Soccer. Soccer is well, football, whatever you want to call it, is one of the most supported sports in the world. And it was an like an arm wrestle 
over a long period of time to make that a successful league. And some notice needs to be taken of how they've gone about doing it. Okay, I I think that your point is so valid that wherever you go with these, this new sport, you've got to get the local buy-in. You've got to have the local identity. And that's something that MLS has done very, very well. They have created a, a, a situation where people are passionate about their team. People are passionate about their franchise. They announce their franchises four or five years in advance and allow you to be excited that this is coming. Yeah. Um, I think MI New York has really missed a trick. Especially in that market. Yeah. In that market, like I, I, I don't think that the LA Knight Riders and the, the Texas Super Kings are great, particularly great names either. But, but they at the, least roll the, off the, the tongue. The New bit. York, the New York market is criminal because you crack that, you crack that market. You get New Yorkers buying properly, buying in. Like, like I said, you don't even need to be good. The Knicks haven't been good in forever. The Mets, like, that's the running joke. I don't follow baseball closely enough, but as, as far as pop culture is concerned, the Mets have never been good, like, and they're still... They're still not good. They're, and, you know, <laughs> and they're still financially viable. You get New Yorkers to buy in, you're, like, that's it. Your troubles are gone. You just watch the money roll in. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're going to move on from that because largely, by and large, like 99% of what they've done has been fantastic. And I think that draft is is um, is a really great example. I mean, just coming off the draft, there are some pretty big names that have been involved. Um, you know, Shahan Surya has got quite a... Um, an impressive first-class record in, in Sri Lanka. Um, he's playing for the Seattle franchise. Uh, you look over at uh, the San Francisco franchise, you've got Corey Anderson and Liam Plunkett both there. They've both played all three formats for New Zealand and England, respectively. And doesn't Corey Anderson still hold a, a batting record, like the fastest 100? I don't know if he, if he holds it anymore, but he won, at one point yeah. held the I fastest one-day I think maybe AB took it off him. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Villiers. Yeah. Um, then you've got uh, Umak Chand, who's a guy that's probably going to come with quite a lot of fanfare. Um, he's been killing it in the minor league version of uh, of the cricket over there. Um, and just, yeah, there's some, you know, Cameron Stevenson, Cameron Gannon, who's he's led the Sheffield Shield in wickets taken before. Um, Angelo Pereira, like there are some, that's just the domestic players. So there's some yeah. talent there. Um, and then if you go further than that, there have been some absolutely phenomenal international signings just on the draft night. We haven't heard any since, but um, I think it, it really goes to show that, well, I've been following this quite a lot, and when some of these names were announced, I was like, damn, this is actually further along than I thought. Yeah. Um, Aaron Finch was announced he's coming, well, not he's he obviously retired internationally, but he's continuing his domestic career as the captain of the San Francisco Unicorns franchise. Uh, during that, they also announced that Onrek Norkia and uh, Winindu Hasaranga will be playing for the Washington franchise. That's just, that, I mean, you're really talking about Those some, are, the two of the best T20 yeah. bowlers in the world. Norquay is just a beast in T20, and, and Hasaranga's record just speaks for itself. Um, Marcus Stoinis is joining um, Aaron Finch at the at the San Francisco franchise, who's obviously a, a world-class talent. Uh, Mitch Marsh is playing for the Seattle franchise, and Quinton DeCock has also been signed by the Seattle franchise. So there is some, oh, just straight off there, bam, yeah. some really, really big names that are yeah. already buying into this season. Um, and I think if anything, you need to show how serious this is. This is the first running of of the Major League Cricket um, in a market that is 
you know, I don't want to say hostile, but for lack of a better word, it, it's a very niche it's market. It's different. It's, it, it's got a lot of work to do. Yeah. This, these teams have got a $1.2 million salary cap. The Big Bash teams in a cricket-mad country playing at the perfect time of the year for cricket in terms of, you know, spectator support and all that sort of stuff, um, been running for over 10 years in Australia. Their salary cap is $1.9 million Australian. This is $1.2 million American. So once you work that out, it's probably about the same. Um, And you've got to imagine that, you know, if this takes off, they get, you know, plenty of success. It's going to only get bigger and better. And obviously the the Major League Cricket is no threat to the BBL being in vastly different times of the year. But, I mean, that's the sort of thing if this is is an experiment. We don't know if this is going to work. And they're putting down $1.2 million American for each team. This takes off. There's a lot of money in the United States. It could quite easily rival the IPL in not a lot of time. Well, the thing is about the American market is once they embrace you, like you said, it's a license to print money. Um, what we really want to see is a couple of some really good standard cricket and some really good crowds, people getting involved in it at the stadium. The TV rights, I mean, I'm not sure who's picked them up. I know that they're broad, they should be broadcast. They broadcast the draft on their YouTube channel, yeah. and they also broadcast it. I think it's called Sling TV or Willow TV is uh-huh. the broadcaster over there. Okay. But you can imagine that if there's IPL buy-in, there's these guys be... these guys are going to be making sure that India picks up yeah. the rights. Well, that's going to be the thing. I mean, I think that to make their money back out of it in the first season, they're going to need overseas TV rights. Yeah, that's going to be a big thing for them. But what? The, the the big litmus test for me is how many bums on seats can we get in the grounds and how good is the standard of cricket over there? Well, the um, so the minor league, I think, doubled in size or close to doubled in size after the first season. So And it was run basically with just – there were some games that I think were just filmed with like a – like a normal camera, yeah. like a handheld camera. There are other ones that had multiple cameras with just the you know the frog box style, yeah. you know, keeping stats everything at the bottom of the screen. Um, some of them were played on um, Astro wickets. Some of them were played on hybrids. Some of them were played on turf. I believe they've actually announced for the upcoming season that there will be no synthetic wickets played. They'll all be hybrid or all be turf wickets, which yeah. is a, a really big thing. But when you say hybrid, what do you mean by hybrid? I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with it, but it's a, they call it a hybrid wicket, so I think it's a mat with an actual grass. Well, it couldn't be artificial grass wicket, could it? I think it might be. Wow. I'm not, I'm not sure, of that, but that was the announcement they said. There'll be no more just like concrete and astro turf yeah. that we're familiar with here. It'll be either oh, you fully turf. Would you really like to face Andrik Nokia on an Astro turf? <laughs> no, no. no well, not. all of all of the major league will be played on a proper ground. Yeah. But the, the the step down, the minor league, the yeah, first couple still, of years, yeah. they had some that were played on on a on a synthetic or an yeah. so concrete and a, yeah. and and synthetic grass. Uh, some on turf, and then whatever this hybrid wicket is. But that, now there'll be no more. Synthetic concrete astro turf. So, so this game is growing quite a lot just on the minor league scale with any really big names coming in and mm-hmm. in, and playing it. And you know, the prize money increased, the, um, uh, the, the broadcasting standards increased, the, the number of teams significantly increased, mm-hmm. and that's only one year. Um, so if um, major league cricket is that sort of success, they're, they're building that um, that 
that platform that they can get interest in there. And I, I obviously, I don't think it's going to obviously hit, you know, basketball major sort of major league baseball numbers. But I think they'll be, they'll be, it'll be an honest, it'll be a, a fairly respectable. Uh, crowd attendance, I'd imagine. Yeah. Look, they don't. They, they should not be going in with the idea of we're going to take on anybody. We just want to. You just want to be there. Yeah. Okay. That's. We just want to be here. We're just. We're just happy to be at the party, guys. Just keep churning it out. Yeah. Just keep taking little chunks, little chunks. I mean, they're already chasing down. Um, Jason Roy is a guy that I've seen being um, thrown about as a name that they're trying to attract to. That's, to come. Just, that's as about as big as it gets in T20s. Yeah, so. he's one of the premier white ball players in the world at the moment. Yeah. I think the, the we've big... got some of the premier white ball players in the world already signed up. I in... think the big trick is going to be because you know England have quite a number of very talented white ball cricketers, and it's the time of the year that's going to make it very inconvenient for them to leave their home summers to come and play in the United States. So yeah. I'd imagine it would be difficult to attract a lot of big English names. Look, it depends. I mean, obviously there's only a certain amount of players that are going to go around in the, in the 100. So you, 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 you're reducing the pool significantly of the guys who are going to be available. I think, you know, guys who are doing really well in the county scene will take the opportunity to go and play in a league like this. I think that would be one thing for, uh, I'm not sure, I'd have to check the dates, um, but one thing that the Major League Cricket will have to be aware of is just making sure that they stay out of the hundreds way. Yes. Um, and if you can stay out of the hundreds way, you might be able to then pick up some players that are, you know, a bit, you know, like your Tim David esque sort of players that yeah. are just a bit of T Twenty mercenaries that might yeah. jump out and go, "Cool, done the hundred. Cool, now over to the states for, yeah. you know, for three weeks, and I'll go and play over there as well." But if there's overlap, they're obviously going to play for the yeah. the hundred first. But then, as as more this as this sort of snowballs on with more IPL support, and you know, well, I've get a gig playing for the, you know, for the the MIA New York, I might then all of a sudden be looking at you know play well there. I might end up getting a gig at some point for the actual Mumbai Indians. And yeah. So um, there is and that as well. Do we, do we see the, the situation that we've um, talked about in the past where oh, guys are just going to be contracted to a franchise and they will just travel the world that is, playing 2020 franchise quick? I reckon unless, unless someone comes out with a rule to stop that happening, I reckon that's 95% chance that's going to happen in the next few years where they'll, they're already talking about it. So um, as this sort of gains momentum and there's that little pop-up IPL franchises everywhere, I just can't imagine it's it's going to be that long before we go right, bang, you're signed now to the you know to the Pal or to the Rajasthan Royals. So we'll see you playing in Pal in the um, the South African one, and then you know the the Mumbai Indians will get there. There's a was it MI Cape Town yeah. in the South African one, yeah, MI New York in that one. It it'll happen. It, yeah. it definitely happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, I'm super excited. Cannot wait for this get off the ground. I believe it's uh, middle of June. It is kicking off. I'm mm-hmm. hoping uh, if anyone from the Major League Cricket is listening, that you guys are going to be bringing out merch because I'm going to get my hands on some some San Francisco unicorns gear. I think. Yeah. Look, I think I'm basically just looking at this. I'm I'm sorry, but I love Quentin the Cock. <laughs> I, I hope that came out the right way. By the way. <laughs> and the big unit. Yeah, look, I'm probably going to throw my hat in the ring for the uh, Seattle. Orcas fan? Yeah, uh, it could be an Orcas fan. Oh, look, and I... And it ties in quite nicely with me because I'm Pisces, so the fish connection and stuff like that. I'm drawing a really long <laughs> boat. <laughs> I'm trying to find some attachment to my new team. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm liking, I'm liking the unicorn. I also don't mind the Washington Freedom um, team, to be honest. I, I do like when Indu Hasaranga. I do like Onrek Nokia, but I think it's interesting to see the way that, some, that these teams have drafted, isn't it? Some of them have gone for the the batsman, and obviously San Francisco said, no, 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 we want some bowlers. We're going to go and get two of the best bowlers in the world. That's an interesting take on T Twenty cricket, isn't it? Where yeah. you're looking to. You're not worried about the guys who can go out and get you, uh, you know, 100 off 40 balls. You want guys who are going to stop that. I think Hasaranga is a player that's going to really enjoy playing over in the United yeah. States because he's a guy that's pretty handy with the bat. I could see him sort of turning into – he sort of bats a lot lower in some of the other co- tournaments, but I think in this one he might sort of see him having like that Axar Patel style yeah. rise with the yeah. bat where he ends up sort Batting of – Batting four, five, six maybe, yeah, depending and, on situations because he's a goer. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't muck around. And yeah, so I think I think I'm going to throw my hat into the into the Seattle ring. Nice. Well, if anyone's listening from Major League uh, Cricket or in their respective franchises, send some send some merch. Two slips and a gully's way. We'll, we'll we'll wear it. We'll wear it. We'll get it out there for you, folks. We'll, we'll, do- we'll, we'll like YouTube it. We'll do mini pods. We'll do everything. <laughs> we we. Shameless mercenaries, folks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right after this, moving from one uh, T20 franchise to another, we're going to have a chat about all the good things that happened in the WPL. He's got him! Knocked him over! The pressure was too much! The first running of the WPL, or Women's Premier League, has finally come to a close, and it is uh, going to go down in infamy as one of the few things that Meg Lenning hasn't won. I know, Everybody's just in shock in Australia. It's like, what do you mean she didn't win? <laughs> um, so the uh, the Mumbai Indians got up against the Meg Lanning's Delhi Capitals in the final, which what brought a, a historic tournament to a close. Um, just some phenomenal cricket being played. Yeah. The, the ladies really are good, aren't they? I mean, they are just such good value. And you can see the enjoyment, like how much they lo- actually love this opportunity to be out there and just embracing everything that came along with it. I thought it was a great tournament, to be honest with you. The standard of cricket, like the players who they brought over there to showcase women's cricket in India, you could not have asked for better. We yeah. had the cream and the crop, and they pretty much all performed. Um, I was very impressed. Obviously, Meg Lanning, she led the tournament runs, 345 runs at 49, 250s, a strike rate of 140. Nat Siver Brunt was absolutely phenomenal in that tournament. Um, really, really good. Uh, 332 runs, average of 66, strike rate of 140, 350s. Um, Talia McGrath from the UP Warriors. Um, you know, high score 90, average 50, 300 runs, you know, 450s overall, going at 158 strike rate. Like, just some of these, some of these ladies got onto the world stage and did not disappoint. They really got up there and really made it count. Uh, Shafali Verma led the, um, you know, in terms of people have actually scored enough runs, 185 strike rate. Mm. Uh, averaging 30, 252 runs for the tournament. Just a phenomenal... That's not bad, isn't it? You're averaging 30, but you're getting them in, like, 14 balls. Yeah. <laughs> 15, 16 balls or something. Harman Fred Kaur, 280 runs at 40 with 350s. Just, again, just churning on being one of the best players in the world. Mm. Um, just, yeah, just a really, really good showing and, and really well, shows that um, given the, the correct exposure that um, there is some really good quality cricket going on. There is. I mean, we've been blessed to have this wonderful Australian women's team at our 
you know, enjoying them for years and years and years. It just goes to show, but the sum of that team is so amazing that even the parts of the team, when you take them out of it, are still amazing. I mean, look at, you got Meg Lanning, Talia McGrath, Alyssa Healy, Elise Perry and Grace Harris. Five of the top ten were Australians. Yeah, we always knew that was going to be um, be the case. Like, yeah, there, there's a reason why that these guys are, the yeah, these ladies are best. the best in the world. And, yeah. and they've come into this tournament. It's, you can see that yeah, it's not just the, the Australian women's team is a, um, you know, a great in some parts. These, yeah. these ladies are individually very brilliant. Yeah. But there's been plenty of other ones like, um, you know, Hayley Matthews from the West Indies was the leading wicket taker, 16 wickets at 12. And 271 runs as well. Yeah. And considering the fact that the, I felt the wickets were probably a bit too bland, they were a bit easy to bat on. She was yeah. going at under six yeah. for her. Wickets, um, you know, yeah, Sophie like, Eccleston, who struggled early, I felt, but really sort of pegged it back towards the back end. Oh, of the she was superb towards, towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the tournament. They just, nobody seemed to be able to work out how to score off her. She was like just bowling over after over for two and three runs, and you can't allow that to happen in a T Twenty game. Yeah, Nat Siver Brunt, ten wickets to go along with her two hundred odd runs or three hundred odd whatever it was. Three hundred and thirty, three hundred thirty two runs. Uh, Kim Garth, who's a, a, an ex Irish woman, come Australian, um, ended up with I think she's the leading wicket taker by an Australian. Checking my numbers. Yep, she's the hot. She took the most wickets by an Australian with eleven seventeen. Um, yeah, just it, it, it's fantastic to see. Uh, and the final was really well played. I think you said it well. That uh, yeah, I think that was the Australian team. Um, she gets up, but I think yeah, maybe she should have probably batted first. Yeah, or bowled, like bowled first. Bowled first. Bowled first yeah. in that one, and just sort of she's just used to oh, bat first. Someone in my team will get it done, yeah. and we'll put on a score that's way too big. And you're like, oh, wait, hang on, I'm not wearing yellow. <laughs> I'd better do most of this myself. Um, but no, it was, it was a fantastic tournament. I took my uh, my uh, support around uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore, and that uh, that didn't quite go well. They really struggled, which I thought was quite surprising considering, uh, considering some of the players the they had in that in that team. They were very very disappointing. Sophie Devine, Elise Perry. Um, now, maybe they have the um, the male RCB curse because they've been. Fairly average for quite a while. Despite RCB. having uh, a significantly yeah. talented team. Yes. Yeah, so Villiers, Coley, Maxwell, been, all sorts been, of players in there. Been well, been probably the great underachievers of the IPL, actually, the, the RCB. Hopefully they haven't passed that contagion on to the girls. No. God, no. Uh, but I, I think you've got to say that this this game has been this series has been an unmitigated success. Like, it, it, well, if this keeps going, it won't be long before the. the um, the, the format expands. You'll get more more yeah. women's teams in it. Look, I can, I can imagine there'll probably be an extra team in there next year um, because they they knocked back three franchises. Yes, they come back with another bid. Yeah. So, given the success that they've had this year, I can I don't see why they wouldn't be looking to add another team. I, I would caution about spreading too quickly, too you know, too big, too quickly. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, I I couldn't see, I couldn't imagine there not being another team put in in the next two editions. I can well, see so maybe right. maybe just seeing whether or not okay, was it a novelty that we had this and go go again yeah. and see if we get the same success and then expand the next. But I also don't necessarily disagree that they shouldn't expand next year. But I think yeah, yeah. if we if we're having if we've got five teams in tournament three 
then they've they've, they've stuffed up. They, yeah, they, they've missed a trick. They've missed a trick. I, I don't think they will. I just think the the way that the Indian public embraced it too. I mean, even even the when there were smallish crowds, there was still a lot of people in these grounds, and they're playing at some of the biggest grounds going around. Um, one thing I think we really need to talk about, but in relation to the women's game, is do we really need to keep bringing their boundaries in so far? Because they keep hitting it out of the bloody ground. Some of these girls can hit a very long ball. Eh? You know, is it something that maybe we need to look at? You know, they can go. The boundaries can go back an extra ten meters. Yeah, maybe. I think that. Um... I think a lot of it to start off with, with the size of the boundaries was in relation to the fielding skill. But, I mean, most most of these women these days can certainly hurl the ball back from the boundary. So um, maybe it's it's time to be looking at something like that. Yeah, and you, like someone like um, Talia McGrath, Elisa Healy, those guys, they've got no issues finding, like, like especially in India, yeah. Where the grounds are much smaller anyway, I think you could just play on the men's boundary lines, like yeah. because they're, they're, plenty of them were finding the finding the crowd. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure how many sixes in total were hit, but there was an enormous amount of fours hit, and like fours that were just like bouncing just inside the boundary and stuff like that. There were four on any ground in the world, really. Um, we, I don't know. But it's would considered to be patronising to bring the boundaries in. As far as what they are on some of these grounds, some of them are only like 50, 55 metres. Yeah, like they're not big grounds. They're not. They're not big like, grounds anyway. Um, I watched one of the when the ODIs. I watched. I think it was um, Mitch Marsh hit a seventy-two metre six that was like well into the crowd. I'm yeah. like, that's just getting over the rope in some grounds in Australia. Yeah. Well, like that one. Um, oh, of course, he, he hit plenty that were yeah. well over that. But I just remember the going. Yeah, it was. You know. 15, 20 rows back, and there was like 78 metres. And I was like, oh. That's not very far. That's not very far. I would have hit that for six. Yeah. Actually, um, without digressing too much, just to point out the size of the boundaries, um, in one of those innings, Mitch Marshy hit a pull shot, and it took about 0.2 of a second to get 20 rows back, and it went 69 metres. Oh, yeah, that traceable one. <laughs> yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. It was like, it would if, you, if you're in the crowd, you're not trying to put your hand up to catch that, are you? Oh, I might. I, I'd, probably, <laughs> I'd probably regret it. But yeah. I'd probably, you probably shouldn't be putting your hand up to catch no, it. I'm not touching that. It's, he's hit it 70 metres, and it's got here in like 0.3 of a second. No, I'm not touching that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be it's going to be Bernie's. Oh, yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that, that one's taking skin off, I reckon. But, no, I, I think you're right, especially in um, yeah in Indian grounds. And those, I think you just play on the normal boundaries. The, yeah. the, the more boundaries you trot out for the IPL, trot out for the WPL. It's, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, there is some very, very impressive hitting there. I think playing, like MCG, Monica, places like that, I think, you know, don't change status quo too much. But, no. um, but I think we need, we need to credit the, the athleticism and, and the development of the women's game. Some of these girls hit a long ball. Hayley Matthews hits a very, very long ball. Um, Talia McGrath hits a massive ball. I mean, and hits it really, really hard. It's not that it just goes a long way. She smashes the oh, cover yeah. off it. She's a she's a sight to behold in full flight. I, I love watching Talia McGrath bat. She oh, she's a phenomenal player. Yeah. And I think that um that with the glut of phenomenal players that we've got, we're not getting the best out of Talia McGrath at international level because she's a hell of a bowler. She yeah. never gets a go because yeah, there's, like, there's seven there's seven or eight other bowlers. It's like nah, you can bowl next game. That's yeah. fine. Really? And the next game goes, you know, nah, you're down at Prime League, stay down there. 
Yeah, you young, know, you're one of the best fielders in the field. You stay on the boundary. Don't worry about bowling. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah, she she's phenomenal, and like she's got she reminds Elise me, Perry two point oh. Yeah, I actually I compare her more to a, an Andrew Simons type player. Yeah, oh, she's very much like an Andrew Simons type, especially player. with the bat. Oh yeah, yeah, she's a she's a, a brilliant player. Um, interesting. Um, we'll probably touch on it in another episode, but they've announced the women's squads for the Ashes because yeah, they're, they're being Phoebe held. Litchfield got yeah, her yeah. Ashes gig. Yeah, I was just about to bring up a local girl um, and well deserved to. Yeah, she's, she's um, done absolutely nothing wrong since she's got into the team. Oh, and boy, hasn't she just uh, acclimatised to yeah. um, like women's cricket yeah. in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Second game that she ever played in the WBBL, she scores a 50 Second ever game for Australia, she scores a 50. Like, yeah. And like a ridiculously fast 50 too, wasn't it? It was like some ridiculous number of balls. Yeah, and just, yeah, she's a she's a superstar in the making yeah. as well. So, And just on a personal note, I'm glad to see my girl Georgie Wareham in the squad as well. I love the, love the little red-headed leg spinner. Go, girl. Um, yeah, and she's yeah, and she's always been struggling with injuries as well. So it's yeah, always good to she, see her getting. She deserves a break. Cricket. Yeah, she deserves a break because unfortunately, Alana King's probably jumped her in the pecking order. Yeah, but I've, she, I think her skill set is outstanding. She bowls. She bowls all the balls for a leg spinner. Man, she's got the top spinner. She's got the wrong end. She bowls a flipper. So yeah. Yeah, so uh, just cycling back to the to the WPLs before we finished, um, I, I, it's obviously been fantastic. I mean, the average crowd attendance was floating somewhere between nine and fourteen thousand, and I believe that they ended up topping thirty thousand for a number of games. Yeah. When you're talking about that sort of buy-in, not yeah. to mention the 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 digital media where you know, it was streamed over in Australia and no. all that sort of stuff, like it, it's it, it is it absolutely only, nothing but an unmitigated success. Yeah, it can only be classified as a success on all st- on on every standpoint: the standard of the cricket, the entertainment value, um, the the media exposure that it got, the crowds. Like I said, even when there were smallish crowds. There were still significant amounts of people in these grounds. Yeah, and a great atmosphere yeah. as well. So I think that's the one good thing about playing on those Indian grounds is, when in the very rare occasions where there isn't a big crowd, that yeah. it feels like a big crowd. They make a lot of noise. Yeah, it's, a, it's very much a social event going into cricket. And isn't I think it? it's something that's. Um, you know, we shouldn't take for granted for the women's game because it has historically been difficult to get big, big crowds in yeah. for, for. So some of these women have, you know, while played a, a long time, have never really played in front of you know, a big, raucous crowd. So it would yeah. be a, a fantastic experience to be uh, yeah. a part of that just for a, just a normal game of cricket, not like a final or, or Particularly you know. for, some of the, for some of the girls who aren't Australian. You know, our girls are used to turn up and people come to see them play, man, because they're spectacular to watch. But like your Laura Volvarts, your Hayley Matthews, who might necessarily play in these competitions where you get these big crowds, that would have been an absolute buzz for them, you know. Maybe that side of a brunt would be, you know, she played in the 100 where they get big crowds and stuff like that. But a lot of those overseas players, this is their first exposure to real big crowds in cricket. Yeah. So I, look, I, I I think it's been a great success, and I can't wait for next the next one. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Hopefully, RCB 
gets uh, powered by Elise Perry and goes on to bigger and better things. That'd be great. Yes, well, <laughs> any, anything to do with Elise Perry, we're, we're in for. Uh, all right, so that'll bring our episode to a close for tonight. Next week, we are continuing on with our one-day international quest. We did the all-time English one-day international side, and we are moving on to do the Sri Lankan one next week, so that's going to be exciting. Uh, as Sri Lanka is a team that has had uh, a great deal of one-day international success over a number of periods during their uh, their yeah. tenure in the sport, so there's a lot of big names to sift through, so very excited for that. Um, and as we know, we've got uh, the World Test uh, Championship final coming up. Ashes are around the corner as well. The IPL will be getting underway. All sorts of cricket goodness to be getting on board with. So, like I said at the beginning of the episode, it's a great thing about our game. It's all year round. There's always something to talk about. And um, as you can tell, we, we really enjoy talking cricket. We do enjoy talking cricket. And we do enjoy talking new cricket. Yeah. And to, like, except for our little Sheffield show blow at the front, we've talked new cricket in this episode. And it's been great. Yeah. And always loving to see the game expand. And uh, like I said, like, episode, I bring it to it's episode nine or ten if, is, was where I first started bringing up Matt. sort of where I think that. You know, if, I think the episode was called "If I Were King for a Day," and that's what I would do: is yes. really power, um, you know, pour money into developing cricket in the United States. So it's something that is, I've been interested in in quite a while, and just sort of seeing it slowly but surely unfold. You know, through the minor league, and now they're pushing for the major league, and you know, now there's ground developments and all sorts of stuff going on. There's going to be a brand new cricket stadium going in Los Angeles. Like it, it's it's happening. It's um. It's slowly making its way. So I can't wait personally for the Major League uh, Cricket to start up. I'm hoping that they try to make them prime time uh, sort of games well, I so think I can might actually... Be enough. We might not be able to get them live, but I'm certainly well, I'm sure we're going to be able to pick them up on KO or one of the streaming services. If they're prime time, so they're prime time in the United States, so night games, yeah. um, it's usually mid-morning here in Australia. The problem yeah. will be is if they make them... Like day games, morning games, and yeah. they'll be starting sort of midnight, one o'clockish. Yeah. Which, as much as I'd really love to watch them, I have to go and work to fuel my habit of talking cricket. So I, <laughs> yeah. watching a T Twenty game that starts at one o'clock in the morning might not be the most conducive thing to. Not that con- we haven't done it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> World Cup final comes. Uh, yes, there's been a couple of epic like next days or you go, oh, God, why don't I stay up until 4 o'clock watching cricket? Um, but that's no, great. It's great to see the game expand. It's great to see the women's game not only getting more and more recognition but more and more money being filled into it because there are some phenomenal players playing in the women's game. And, and it's great to see something that I'm a bit passionate about, which is the, the growth of American cricket happening. So it's, it's, it's really good. So not only are right, we're talking – you know, old school stuff like Sheffield Shield, but we're also seeing the game grow is is, is absolutely fantastic. And it's, it, for an old stager like me who still remembers playing in creams with cream socks, the the evolution of, of the game that I love has just been amazing. And we, you know, obviously time moves time moves on. The game stays the same. It's just the way it's executed, the way it's presented, the way that people embrace it has changed. The way that we play cricket now, the way that we look at cricket is very much different to the way it was when I was a kid. I would love to be a kid now. You know, like, you watch me play cricket, I'm like a throwback to the 60s, mate. I'm like Jeff Boycott impersonator. <laughs> kids like that aren't like that these days, man. No. Nah, you know, nah. we know ourselves, we, we play against kids who try and ramp us and stuff like that and, and reverse sweep us and, and bloody get away with it as well. So, yeah, it's wonderful. 
All right, guys, thank you very much. Uh, we will join you next week with all of our cricketing adventures. But until then, bye for now. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.